introduce to you a 13-year head coach, Cat Boyle, um, the 2022-23 Buffaloes. We'll go ahead and have Coach Star with an opening statement, and then uh, we'll open it up for questions. Coach, go Well, I don't know what to say other than it's year 13, and uh, I'm really excited uh, to be here. Obviously, I, I got this job 13 years ago. I said it was my dream job and destination job. I still feel the same way today as I felt then, and... I really like this team uh, coming up. It's going to be a fun team to coach. We've got great kids, uh, selfless. Uh, and I think it's going to be a team a lot like last year's in the sense that early we may struggle a little bit. We've got some uh, returning guys that got to step up into different roles and be everyday guys when maybe last year they were uh, pieces of the puzzle. Um, and so as that transition occurs, there may be some some bumps in the road, and uh, but we're we're a resilient group. We're a tough group, and uh, I like the pieces that we have together. But I think by the end of the season, I think this team uh, can be really, really dangerous and can certainly compete in the Pac-12 conference. And it's going to be a fun journey. Uh, be some, like I said, there's going to be some adversity that hits us. We're obviously without Evan Batty, uh, one of the best leaders uh, that I've ever coached, and a fifth-year, you know, five-year guy for us. So he's gone. Uh, so guys like uh, Tristan De Silva, you know, Luke O'Brien, Nick Clifford, KJ Julian, you, you know, all the returning guys have got to really kind of step up the leadership uh, aspect. So I think that's the biggest question mark with this team as I as I look forward is is where will the leadership come from when. Uh, the waters get rough because we know they will at some point. And uh, but I got a lot of confidence in in our players, so uh, I'm excited. That'll open it up. Ted, you've mentioned a couple times this preseason and just now that this team could profile like last year, uh, trying to gel early before maybe you hit your stride. Uh, you know, last year a lot of those new pieces you were integrating were were freshmen, got guys right out of high school. This year, a lot of it's older guys, guys that have played college basketball. I know you're only a week or so into practice here, but has that learning curve been, been accelerated at all uh, because it is older guys? Yeah, a little bit. I think, you know, I think the guys you're talking about are uh, Javon Hadley, you know, who's played two years of college basketball, one at Northeastern, one at the junior college level at Indian Hills, which is very high-level basketball for junior college. Uh, and then uh, Jalen Gabadon and, and Ethan Wright are two Ivy League guys. So... I think those guys are picking things up a little bit quicker than a freshman would, and I think that's a, that's a positive. They're still trying to understand what our standards are, what Colorado basketball is all about, but they're, they're quick learners. Uh, they're really smart players, and uh, they're, they'll, they're gonna, they're, we're going to need you know, all three of those guys at some point this year to fill in roles. So, yeah, you know, as, as we've talked about in the past, we're going to use, you know, we don't recruit a lot of junior college players here, but Javon made a lot of sense uh, given the situation we were in last spring after a curveball was thrown at us. Um, but we got a good player. And uh, the Ivy League guys, Ethan and Jalen, we've been uh, yeah, really excited about them from the get-go. So really like those three, and, and it's, it's, it's nicer to have those guys and maybe three freshmen early but will that translate to us winning games? I sure as heck hope so. Coach, you, uh, you mentioned the slow start last year. Has that been kind of a point of emphasis for you? Like, hey, we really got to get things tightened up, especially with so many games away from home early in the schedule? Well, look, I, I, I've known this summer what we've had. So we used our summer access months and we used this fall to do a lot more uh, installing of you know, offense and uh, the defense, we, we kind of waited until practice started here uh, a week or so ago. Uh, but yeah, we, so we, we wanted to accelerate that as best we could because we knew what's facing us with our schedule and we saw what happened last year. You know, last year we had Costa Rica, we had 10, 10 practices and we still struggled out of the gate. Maybe that was due to, to, to Pat's point about, you know, plugging freshmen in to those roles and this year, you know, we've got some more experienced guys, but um, it's uh, we, we really try to accelerate that using the summer and the fall to uh, to get a jump start on that, and, and, and hopefully that will translate. I do feel, you know, like we're practice number uh, six today, was uh, or seven it was, and uh, we're farther along offensively than we ever have been at this point in terms of having stuff in. 
now executing and, and at the level we need to execute at, that's a different story. But we're, we're, uh, we're on pace, I think. We'll, we'll learn a lot over the next uh, three weeks or so. We'll have a couple inter-squad uh, scrimmages. Uh, we've got a closed-door uh, scrimmage, and then we've got uh, the exhibition game with uh, the charity game with Nebraska. So uh, we'll learn a lot over the next three to four weeks. Hey, Coach, uh, we're talking to Jalen a little bit. He said that when you were recruiting him, you didn't even talk basketball. You just talked about leadership yeah. and stuff like that, I guess. How much does Jalen and Ethan, when they come in from the Ivy League, how much does it improve your program IQ? And does it make you just a smarter on-court, off-court team? Absolutely. Yeah, Jay, look, Jalen is a really bright player, as Ethan is. They're, they're both, you know, high-level thinkers. And, uh, they're, they're, you know, there's, there's probably 12 to 15 players in the Ivy League that could play in the Pac-12. Or the Big 12. I mean, they're really I mean, Ivy League basketballs could now, um, uh, and they're they're two of them. They were two of the best players in the league last year. Two of the top six, I would say, in in, in the homework that we did. But yeah, Jalen is uh, is a guy who's very selfless. He just he he's a team guy. He wants to do whatever uh, is is going to help the team win. He was the defensive player of the year in the Ivy League um, two years ago. He can make an open shot. Uh, he can slash the basket, so he brings us great versatility. And uh, yeah, when when I recruited Jalen, you know, again he's involved uh, with a company in Denver, um, and so that made Colorado make a lot of sense for him. And and uh, so we're, we're we're lucky to have him, and uh, he's going to help us a lot this year. Ethan is as well. Ethan's a uh, a good shooter, good rebounder, you know, sneaky athletic guy that maybe uh, don't don't judge a book by its cover kind of. Kind of player because he's a he's an effective guy. So, really happy to have both of them. Hey, coach, um, you spoke a little bit about uh, the two guys you were just talking about. How are you expecting them to be leaders on this team? These guys coming in from other schools, new squad, younger guys. Uh, how are you expecting them to fit in? As well, number one, I think they have to believe that they belong, and that's something that you know as we get closer to to game time, you know, we'll. we'll uh, I've talked to them both about that a little bit, but look, they come from great programs. I mean, Princeton's a winning program. Yale is a winning program. They're, they're, they've been really well coached. So I want them to believe and use the experiences that they've had at those programs and relay that to our younger players because um, they have been through the battles and been through the wars. And they have a different league, different, maybe a different level, but there's some good players, good good teams in the in the Ivy League. So I want them to believe that the experiences that they bring to the table are, are valuable and worthy and, and uh, they can't be afraid to open their mouths. And right now they're, you know, they're kind of checking me out and uh, they're not quite 100% sure what I expect yet, but we'll, we'll get there and we got to get there quickly. And, uh, but I, again, both really smart players and really good kids. And um, I don't know if, you know, the leadership is going to come so much from, hey, this is how we've done things in the past as it is. is like, this is what you need to do to be successful at this level. And uh, they got to believe that because I believe in them. Tad, as KJ makes this jump from freshman to sophomore year, kind of the same Jabari Walker style, uh, role yep. change, um, he talked a lot, a lot today about his consistency. How does he get to that point where he is consistently delivering those performances that we saw kind of at the end of last season? Yeah, I think the big thing with KJ we've talked about is is, is limiting, uh, not eliminating, but limiting, you know, his turnovers. I think that's the, that's the and, and becoming a more consistent, you know, perimeter shooter, which he has become uh, in, in the summer months. He spent, spent a lot of time on his jump shot, and he's, you know, it, it looks smooth. Um, and so I, I think he's made that jump in his game now. It's got to translate to the games, obviously. But KJ's a gamer. Uh, you guys saw that last year. He's not afraid of the moment. He's a competitive guy. He loves basketball. Um, I think the biggest thing with KJ is he's got to, got to bring the energy, open his mouth, lead this team. Last year, you know, again, Evan was that guy who was kind of directing traffic from the five spot, but he's gone. Now we got Tristan, who's doing a great job with that, but KJ can you know, especially in the position that he's playing, the point guard position, the scoring guard, whatever you want to call it, because uh, he and Julian will play together some this year as well. So um, they didn't play as much together last year uh, as they will this year. 
But KJ's biggest thing is just limiting his turnovers. He's always going to have some turnovers because he's played so aggressively and with reckless abandon. He's just got to be really smart and, uh, you know, one can't lead to two and two can't lead to three. He might have one here or there, but uh, becoming, uh, you know, a consistent uh, decision maker. Um, in regards to uh, Quincy Allen and Javon Ruffin, mm-hmm. where do you think they are in terms of their development? Yeah, it's, the, the, those two guys, it's interesting. You know, you, I see flashes uh, of both those guys in practice. Quincy will make plays that just make your, your jaw drop. You know, he's so athletic. He's so bouncy. Uh, he can block shots. Um, and Javon has had some really uh, good moments as well in practice of making really smart basketball plays. He's a big guard who can handle it, can shoot it, can pass it. So I think the biggest thing with both those guys, I, I look at them still as freshmen, even though they're, they're te- technically redshirt freshmen, but they're not the typical redshirt freshmen. The typical redshirt freshmen practice their whole freshman year, and now it's game time, and... You know, they've learned a lot. Well, those guys didn't practice. They were on the sidelines hurt. It's a lot different being on the sidelines trying to learn and being on the floor trying to learn. They're on the floor trying to learn. Now, terminology-wise, expectation-wise, what our standards are in this program, they should have a feel for that because they were here last year. But they're still true freshmen on the floor because they didn't get a chance to practice last year. So... Uh, both of them have shown flashes, much like Joe Hurlburt. And uh, today was the first time we actually got R.J. Smith a few reps in practice. He's coming back from his knee injury now, which can't wait to get him on the floor. It's great to see him today. So, you know, there's two true freshmen on our team, but really there's there's four if, if you throw those two guys in there as well. Hi, Coach. Similar to K.J., Julian Hammond's making that jump from freshman to sophomore. Yep. What are you seeing from him for- practice and what are his contributions? Yeah, Julian is, uh, he's that quiet guy that, you know, sometimes gets overlooked and probably the most steady, consistent guard that we have right now. KJ is the most explosive and can make plays that, you know, not many other guards his size can make. But Julian is rock solid, steady. He's really improved his shooting. Um, one of the challenges we gave Julian in the offseason was to become a better finisher inside the arc on his drives, on his pull-ups, on his floaters, at the rim. Um, and he's done a better job of that as well. But it'll be interesting to see, again, when the games start. Uh, but I've got a lot of confidence in Julian. Julian's kind of got that it factor that you can't pinpoint what makes him effective. You know, I, we had a function last night, and I when I was introducing Julian, and I don't mean this in any disrespect at all. I'm not sure he's great at anything, but he's really good at everything. You know, he's a really good shooter. He's a really good passer. He's a really good ball handler. He's a good decision maker. Um, He's a good basketball player. He's a good defender. Um, So we just need to keep building on those things and, and, and develop and hopefully become great at something. But I got a lot of confidence in Julian because he's he's got um, he's got that it factor that you can't coach. Dad, all of your returning guys have mentioned Evan Batty unprompted, talking yeah. about the impact that, that yeah. he had on them. Is there kind of a residual effect of, of Evan Batty in this program? I hope so. I hope there's a residual effect. I mean, I look at guys you know like Luke and Neek and Tristan who are juniors, been here, this is their third year. They had two years with Evan. They had one year with McKinley and Deshaun and Dallas and that group. So um, hopefully they learned what those guys brought to this program. You know, we talked to them at the end of practice today about consistency uh, and being an everyday guy. And uh, those guys were everyday guys. And that's what we need. We need some guys to step up and be everyday guys. And I hope that, you know, they saw what Evan brought. Look, there's only one Evan Batty. I'm not going to expect any of these guys to be Evan Batty. There's, he's, he's one in a million. Actually, he's one of a kind. Um, but he's gone. And so hopefully the guys that were with him learned from him and learned what he brought in terms of a selflessness and a, a team-first attitude. And uh, he, was a, he was a thumb guy first. You know, he never pointed the finger. He always looked internally. And then, you know, if he was doing his job and his teammates weren't doing their job, he wasn't afraid to call him up and 
hey, you gotta, you gotta step your game up. So we're they, again, that's leadership. And that's what we're gonna need, you know, one or two or hopefully three of our uh, returning guys to, to do this year. Back here. Coach, the returner guys that I also talked to, they, they were also talking about how last year kind of left a bad taste in their mouth the way that they went out. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk about how they're, they're going to turn the page this year and then why this young group can make a run and why you believe that they actually can do that? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things we can learn from last year, again, we, we have control over one thing, and that's the Colorado Buffaloes in this program. We don't have control over the rest of the league and what they do. Last year's team was hurt by the league's performance in November and December in the non-conference. We finished fourth in the league. It's the highest we've finished. You know, I mean, that's usually you finish fourth in the Power Five league and you're, you're in the NCAA tournament. We weren't. We were on the outside looking in because of our performance in November and December and the league's performance. So we can't control the league. We can control ourselves. So hopefully what our guys learned is, hey, that game against UC Riverside, it's pretty darn important. <laughs> that game at Southern Illinois, against Southern Illinois in the Virgin Islands, that was an important game. We, we tricked it off, you know. We, we, we lost it, and that hurt us. Um, the opportunity to play Tennessee and Nashville, that's a heck of an opportunity for this program. So we, hopefully our young guys have learned you have to embrace every game. And sometimes the games that you lose in November and December come back and haunt you in, in, in March. And uh, if we can uh, take that to heart and understand every one of those opportunities is a chance to improve our uh, chances at the end of the year to be an NCAA tournament team, then we better take advantage of them. Coach, you got a lot of size on the wing this year, but not a ton on the interior. What have you seen from Lawson that makes you confident that he can man the middle for you guys? And what are you expecting from him this year? Yeah, Lawson, again, Freshman year to sophomore year, he, he missed the last 15 games of the season last year. He was really coming on. I think the biggest thing with Lawson is his physical development, that he had a great summer in the weight room with Steve Englehart, our strength and conditioning coach. And uh, that's going to pay dividends for him this year. And then mentally, you know, Lawson's a guy that's, I've said it before, he's very difficult on himself. And so... Uh, when things don't go his way, sometimes the head goes down, the shoulders slump. We can't have that this year. He's got to be able to play through mistakes. And, you know, it's when you've got Evan Batty there and then Lawson's struggling, you know, it's easy to have a fallback guy, right? Well, we don't have a fallback guy this year. Evan's gone. So Lawson's going to have to play and play through mistakes, even though we can play Joe Hurlburt there if, if, uh, if, Things get tough, and we can also play Tristan, you know, at the five as well, and go small. But we're gonna Lawson's gonna play. He's gonna play through mistakes, and I think he's gonna uh, grow and develop into a really, really good uh, uh, big man in in the Pac-12 conference. So, but it's you know, I, the CU fans did not see the real Lawson Lovering last year, and again, he's not the finished product yet. It takes big guys a while to develop and, and grow, and but he's on the right track. And uh, he's a great ball screen defender. He can guard the ball. He's a good rim protector being seven feet tall. Um, not a great perimeter shooter yet. Um, can finish, though, around the basket. Has good hands. And, uh, but defensively, he can be a force for us. You had a special one with McKinley. I'm telling you something you don't know. But, uh, you know, K KJ says he talks to McKinley all the time. Mm -hmm. I guess I was wondering, are there any similarities? And do you ever warn KJ, we don't need you to be McKinley, we need you to be you? Yeah. It, you know, KJ never played with McKinley. But I think he's got great respect for him, as, as anybody that knows McKinley does. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's important that KJ's KJ. And I don't, you know, when he talks to McKinley, it's, I don't think it's necessarily trying to emulate him, but just learn from him. And because uh, KJ's got... Uh, some things that McKinley didn't have. And McKinley's got a few things that KJ doesn't have. So if he can incorporate some of those things, you know, I look at McKinley, the kind of rebounder he was for a guard his size, you know, his ability to get through ball screens and, and, and be a, a force uh, defensively. Because KJ's got unbelievable quickness and speed. He could be a menace defensively like McKinley was. So those are the things that I hope you know, as he has those conversations with McKinley, as he, as he incorporates the things into his game that maybe weren't there and, uh, and takes that from McKinley. Because from a speed and athleticism and, I mean, open floor, he is he's really, really dynamic player.
as we've seen in, in spurts. He just needs to become that everyday guy that McKinley was. And he's, he's on that right track. He really is. He's had a good first week of practice, and I'm encouraged uh, by KJ's uh, development uh, thus far. Luke O'Brien saw a lot of time off the bench last year. What are you yep. expecting out of him this year? I think, again, Luke's ability to be a consistent uh, uh, how is he going to impact the game? His ability. Luke was our best shooter this summer. You know, we've got this system in place. It's a shot tracker where they can, there's a chip in the ball and a chip in their shoe. And every time they take a shot, it's tracked. And, and so as we, in our, again, summer access hours, you know, had those chips on, he was by far our best shooter this summer. So he can really stroke it. Um, he's a more confident, mature player. I think uh, he's got good size now. He's really developed his body. He can help us rebounding. You know, one of the questions we get all the time is how are you going to replace Jabari Walker's rebounding? Well, hopefully Luke O'Brien can give us two or three more a game. Hopefully Neat Clifford can give us two or three more a game. Hopefully, you know, our guards, KJ and Julian, can get one or two more a game. Um, hopefully Tristan can up his numbers. You know, so I think rebounding and then and being a consistent, you know, everyday guy that uh, – uh, is now a junior and plays like a junior. And I think that's the, that's the challenge. A lot of times my expectations of freshmen are usually not very high. They're a little bit higher as sophomores. If you're a junior in this program, I expect a lot out of you. I expect you to know what your job is and to hold your teammates accountable to that. And uh, I always say freshmen want to play, sophomores want to score. If you're a junior and you don't want to win, or a senior and you don't want to win, we're going to have problems. So what is Luke going to do to affect winning for us? There's a lot of things he can do, rebounding, defending, making open shots. He just needs to be Luke O'Brien and not try to be, you know, everything to everybody and, and just concentrate on the things he does well because he does some things really, really well for us. Dan, I've always been too appreciative of the, the skill set that Tristan brings to the table. Yep. And because the barring is always so productive, I kind of sense that maybe sometimes he deferred a little bit in that regard. Would you worry about being here with him being an upperclassman? Are you encouraging him in terms of his productivity to maybe take more of that load? Absolutely, Mark. Yeah, that's uh, a great point. I, I, and I felt like this even last spring when Jabari was, you know, making his decision. Maybe, maybe there was no decision. I don't know. Maybe he knew he was leaving all the time. But I told Tristan if Jabari does leave, in fact, it's going to benefit you personally because you're going to be able to step into a bigger role and uh, not that he and Jabari didn't play together, they did, but you're right, Jabari was so productive and, and uh, Tristan's such a team player, but now being a junior, like we talked about with Luke, like we've you know, talked about with Neek, those three guys now have to play like juniors. And I almost look at them as like seniors, even though they're not. Thank God they each have you know, another year. But Tristan is uh, far and away, I mean, he is, our most consistent and his intelligence, his knowledge of the game, his feel for the game. He's much more comfortable and confident now. He's going to have a, I mean, I expect him to be a first team all Pac-12 player. I really do. If we can win enough games, uh, that will happen because Tristan's going to be on the floor. He's going to be on the floor a lot. And he can play multiple positions. He can guard multiple positions. Uh, having a guy like him as a coach, Makes you feel good. Coach, you lose your uh, top three three-point shooters from last year yep. in terms of volume. Is there anything that you're tinkering with specifically to generate those looks, or do you expect that to come naturally with guys stepping into those bigger roles? Yeah, I think, I think this team has a chance to be uh, a good shooting team. I really do. Ethan Wright can shoot the ball. Jalen Gabadon can shoot the ball. Um, Tristan is a much improved shooter. We talked about Julian. KJ improving his jump shot. Quincy Allen can make shots. Luke is a great shooter. Neek's a good – we've got multiple good shooters. So I don't worry about losing our top three three-point shooters, but we did lose our top three scorers as well. So that scoring production is going to have to be upped. You know, Tristan's going to his, – his numbers will go up. KJ's numbers will go every, – and it's not one guy. It's just uh, kind of everybody chipping in because this is a unique team, I think, in that we've got – I look, I look at our team and, you know, I, I could say we could have six to seven, maybe eight guys that could be our leading scorers on any, any given night. 
And usually you say, well, we're going to have one or two or three guys who are going to lead us in scoring tonight. Well, this team is going to be really well balanced, I think. And we'll figure out the roles as we evolve, as the season you know, uh, plays out. But we've got, we got multiple guys who can make shots and multiple guys who can score the ball. We just got to make sure we're defending and, and rebounding you know, consistently and, and keeping us in games and then hopefully make, a, make enough shots to get us over the top. Ted, now that you don't have that proven extension of yourself on the court like you had with Ken in some respects, Evan, last mm -hmm. year, how does, we've talked a lot about how that changes the players and how they have to step up on a leadership role. How does that affect you as a head coach? I talked to KJ Pryor and he said he sees a more patient Ted. <laughs> well, I appreciate KJ's comments and, and uh, maybe that comes with age, wisdom. I don't know what it comes with, but I look at guys like KJ, like Julian, that are playing the point guard position, um, and a guy like Tristan. You know, Evan was so unique in that I could go to Evan and say, "Okay, Evan, we had a bad practice today. You got to fix it," and he'd fix it. And so, you know, the next day we wouldn't have a bad practice. Um, I'm going to have to do the same thing with Tristan or KJ or Julian or whoever, and that's what we're trying to figure out right now. Who has influence in the locker room? Who's not afraid to open up their mouth and maybe ruffle a few feathers if they need to be ruffled? You have to have that on your team. If you don't, it all falls on me. And, and, and that's my job. But I've always said player-led teams are so much more powerful and successful than coach-led teams. Um, and so those guys got to take ownership. They got to take leadership responsibilities. They got to be willing to open up their mouths and talk. And uh, something that we're in the process of hopefully developing. But we better develop it pretty quick. Okay, Craig, go ahead. We got time for one more question after Craig. Yeah, Ted. Uh, Y'all are obviously pulling down a week into practice here, so it's mm -hmm. still really early. But what, based on what you know about your guys, about the guys you have on this team, and from what you've seen so far, what what traits or qualities do you see in this group? that maybe some of your better teams here at CU had? You know, I don't know the answer to that question until, until we get really tested. I mean, I think every, look, every team as you go into the season has hopes and aspirations and dreams and goals. And uh, the only time you find out about yourself is when the you-know-what hits the fan, right? And that hasn't happened to us yet. It hasn't happened to anybody yet. So. You don't know that until it happens. But I think you know what we've talked about up to this point, the leadership is, is there going to be somebody that's going to be able to uh, rally the troops in that locker room when things get tough and uh, bounce back? Uh, one, one of the traits about the team two years ago when we had all of our seniors that I thought was as, as, uh, uh, as positive and you know, something I respected about those guys. I don't think we ever lost two games in a row except once in the season. So we always bounced back after a win. There was, I think, a back-to-back -back loss, one at home and then one to Oregon on the road. But the, the Oregon loss on the road was not because we didn't play our – we just couldn't make a shot that night. We lost by two. But we were resilient. And so resiliency, I think, with teams – is really important, and I think this team can be a resilient team. We'll find out. I don't know the answer to that yet, but I think it will. And because uh, we got we got some guys that care, they care about the team, they want to win. They uh, we talk all the time about when we put the jersey on, we represent more than just ourselves. You know, we represent the university, we represent the athletic department, we represent Boulder, Colorado, the state of Colorado. We represent every former player that's worn that uniform. There's a lot of responsibility that goes with putting that thing on, and we better take that seriously. And if we do and we own it, I like our chances. We'll actually go Tyler and Monica real quick, so go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, we're talking about the loss and losses of Evan and Jamari, but also losing a guy like Eli Parquet, just your mm -hmm. number one defender for the last couple of years. Obviously, unique. Last year, about to experience that when mm -hmm. Eli was hurt a little bit. How much are you expecting him to be ready to step into that role full time this year as, as your primary room defender? Yeah, I think I think we got a couple guys that can fill that role. I think Neek's certainly one of them. Neek's got the length. He's got the experience now. He's, he's his body's gotten stronger. Uh, Neek 
again, much like we talked about with Luke, he's got the ability to affect the game in a lot of different ways, defensively, offensively, ball in his hands, slashing, cutting, uh, getting out in transition, and defensively. I think Javon Hadley is a guy who brings unbelievable competitive spirit and energy to our team defensively. So I look at Javon and Neek as guys that could fill that kind of defensive stopper role. But look, we want all of our guys to have that mindset, not just one. Now, Eli was pretty special because he was so strong and athletic and, and, he, and he kind of bought into that, you know. And so we're going to need somebody to buy into that. But we don't want just one-dimensional players. We want multi-dimensional players. And, but certainly Neek and Javon Hadley defensively right now can, can do a lot of things for us because they're both long and athletic. And, and, uh, but Javon Hadley's energy level and toughness is – it's going to help us this year. Hi, Pat. I hey, just Mark. wanted to ask you if you could roughly go over what the conference looks like. You looks like to you this year. What what what, what can we expect? I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't even know who's you know our our rosters. You know, what is it? September? Well, it's October now. So I guess Oregon has started practice. But you know they're on the quarter system. Sometimes they've added guys in third week of September that, you know, pop up. I don't know if that's happened. I don't think it has. But to be honest with you, my head has been dialed into Colorado and what we're doing. I do know, you know, with UCLA's returning players, Jaime Hawkins and Tiger Campbell, I mean, I can't wait till they graduate. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're really good. They're going to be good. Arizona's, you know, going to be good this year. I mean, I think USC's talented. I mean, but there's a lot of teams, Arizona State and Washington, who have kind of retooled. I think there's question marks. I don't know. Washington State's had some turnover. I know the coaching in this league is is really, really good um, uh, from top to bottom. Uh, I don't have a feel for the talent level yet. I'll get a feel for that more as the games start and I start watching scores. And, you know, obviously we'll be dialed into what Arizona State and, and Washington. We got them in December a little bit more, but the rest of the league, I'm not even thinking about them right now. But I do know, you know, the, the usual suspects in Oregon and Arizona and, and UCLA will be will be really solid. And I think, you know, we'll we'll find out a lot about our league, you know, again in November, December. Okay, thanks everybody. We'll have Coach Payne here in about seven minutes. So thank you, Coach. Okay, thank you. All right, everybody, I'd like to introduce you to uh, Colorado Women's Basketball Head Coach J.R. Payne. Uh, we'll go ahead and have Coach Payne if you'd like to just uh, have a brief opening statement, and then we'll open up for questions. Again, raise your hand, we'll hand out the mics, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, wow, it's wonderful to see all of you guys. It hasn't, haven't had a full room like this in a, in a while, so it's great to have you. Thank you for, for joining us. Um, yeah, we're excited. I just, it's almost hard to believe basketball season is here. Um, you know, as a coach, you're just, your brain is always turning, you know, constantly, all year long. And you think, oh, I have time to do this, I have time to do that. We have time to, you know, get this player doing, you know, certain things. And then all of a sudden, boom, season's here. And uh, so I just said it a minute ago, I say it all the time, like, ready or not, it's, it's go time. So we're very excited about our basketball team uh, coming off a great season, um, an NCAA tournament team. Um, you know, definitely graduated a couple of important pieces to our team, but we return a lot of veterans who've played a lot here at CU and added some really important pieces, and we're pretty fired up that basketball's here. Hi, Coach. Obviously, you mentioned losing some of the, the talented players you lost. Obviously, Maya is going to stick yeah. in a lot of people's minds. Who are you kind of looking at now that's kind of filling her role? Obviously, Clay was kind of six, yeah. you know, first person on the bench last season. How is she kind of stepping into that, that maybe a starting role this season? Yeah, I mean, definitely Quay, you know, is, is someone that should have a really big impact on our team this year as far as filling that role. Um, I always say when you lose a really great player that's very impactful, you never replace that player with one person. It's a collective effort. And the makeup and dynamic of your team is different, you know, when you lose a really dynamic player. Um, but Quay is definitely, I mean, Quay could have started on any Pac-12 team, including ours. Um, but she just sort of filled that role of being able to bring that scoring, rebounding punch off the bench. But, but we expect her to have a really big impact. She's capable of scoring, rebounding. I've been very impressed with Quay's uh, desire and ability to lead from a vocal standpoint. Uh, about two weeks ago, uh, Coach Alex and I met with Quay and, and Tamia 
and said, it's time for you guys to step up and take ownership of this team. You know, not saying you have to lead or you have to be this, but you're not the new kids from Washington anymore. You know, so have an impact, use your voice um, and things like that. And Quay, I think, has taken that very personally in a positive way. She's probably the loudest player on our team right now. And that was a big void, you know, that, that we needed to be filled. And she's doing a great job. Coach, last year was obviously a big step for this program, and yeah. it would be easy to kind of uh, relax after that. How do you keep the foot on the pedal going into this year? Yeah, I think as coaches, we're naturally wired to say, what's next? How can we be better? You know, every every day, to be honest, we're trying to be better than we were the day before. We're pretty fortunate that we have some players that are also very like-minded in that. So, um, you know, we were really excited to make the NCAA tournament last year. We were extremely disappointed to not come out of the first round. And so I think that's been also used as motivation, not only for our coaches, but our team. Um, you know, our point guards in particular, I think, you know, have a very sort of uh, competitive mindset that wants to help us be better and, and make sure that our impact is even greater this year. Back here. Yeah. Well, we sat here this time last year. Did you expect Kendall to be as impactful as she was as a true freshman and be one of the best defenders in the whole Pac-12? And now, where do you expect her to kind of go this year? Yeah, great question. You know, we knew when Kendall committed very early, I think she was beginning of her sophomore year in high school, and, and we knew that she was going to be a great player um, on a really good team, which we were. I don't think any of us knew that she would have such an impact so early in her career. Um, because, but she has the mindset, like she's very level-headed, nothing phases her, um, you know, so that should have spoken to us a little bit earlier, you know, in recognizing how she could impact our season. Uh, but Kendall, Kendall's great. I mean, she, I told everybody last year, and I say the same thing, she's a coach's dream. You know, she's the, one of the hardest workers every single day. She does her job. She doesn't complain. She's appreciative. She, you know, helps her teammates be better. She, she's just, she's incredible, and I think she's going to have a real breakout year. Um, here at the beginning of October, just looking at your team, which positions do you expect there to be kind of the most competition at in terms of, you know, second lineup and yes, with so much roster turnover last year too? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I, I definitely think we have some impactful players, you know. Um, what's kind of interesting right now, you know, Charlotte Whitaker's back after being out for a year after two major hip surgeries. Um, it's incredible to see how she's moving, how she's playing, uh, really kind of regained her form. Uh, two years ago in, in, in the WNIT in the postseason, Charlotte was probably our best player. You know, Jalen was out with a hip surgery and uh, Maya was picking up fouls left and right and didn't even play a lot. You know, in the NIT, Charlotte was really good. Um, but someone who also is going to compete for that position is Aronette Von Ley, um, who's been out the last couple of weeks with an injury, but she is incredible as well. So I think that position is pretty stiff competition. Um, you know, we, Sila uh, Finau, who, who played a lot of minutes at the wing for us, has opened up a pretty big uh, opportunity on the wing. So there's a lot of people competing there. Um, you know, Tamia, uh, Frida started the first half of the year. Tamia, you know, took that start, starting spot the second half of the year. Those two are both really playing well. Um, so, you know, Jalen and Kendall are both really good and have to be on the floor. So I think at all positions, we have veterans that can impact. We also have new players that can really challenge those veterans. Hi, Krish. As you ramble for the season, what are you looking at for the short term? What are your ambitions there? And where do you want to be at when the season begins? When the season begins? Yeah, or like the, just the first game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every coach will tell you, and I'm no different, that the goal is to be better today than we were yesterday. You know, that's, that's easy. Um, you know, what we're really trying to navigate right now, when you graduate impactful players, and I don't just mean points, you know, like... Someone that we really miss right now is Peanut, you know, because she was the loudest uh, player on our team. Every day she brought vocal presence to our gym. You know, we say a loud gym is a winning gym. And, and so while Peanut wasn't our best scorer, you know, or our best rebounder per se, that right now is the biggest void on our team. So we're trying to figure out who's going to fill that. That's why I'm so proud of Quay, you know, because she's doing a great job filling that right now. I think we're all trying to navigate new roles within our ball club. And, you know, so the goal is to be, have everyone feeling great, playing great, knowing their role, um, executing both ends of the floor. Um, and there's times right now, you know, four practices in that we're doing that very well. There's times also right now where it kind of falls off, it gets quiet, who's going to step up and lead, that kind of thing. So, um, so definitely the goal is to make sure we're all on the same page. We have a, 
you know, sort of a well-oiled machine by November 7th. Coach, you spoke to the competition and how you can go six, seven deep with a lot of experience. Yeah. What are you looking for from some of your younger players to crack that the rest of that rotation and who stood out to you so far? Yeah, I think the, the biggest jump from high school to college, no matter where you played high school or what level it was, is just the speed and the strength of the game. Everything is moving at warp speed. You know, sometimes freshmen feel like they're drinking out of a fire hydrant because everything is new, everything's uncomfortable, and everything is moving faster than you've seen before. Um, and so we have, um, you know, players that are still adjusting to the pace and sort of tenor uh, of what we're doing. Um, like I said already, Arinette Vonley is gonna be a hugely impactful player for us. She's not a freshman, you know, but she is a new player for us. Um, you know, Bree McLeod uh, from Toronto, Ontario is playing really well right now. I think it's just, it's, it's mostly important for new players to figure out what is my role. I can't do what I did in high school. It just doesn't really work, you know, at the same pace and stuff. What can I do, you know, that will be successful? Maybe it's just running the floor really hard every time. Maybe that's having an impact on the glass. You know, maybe my, my shot isn't, you know, it's not quick enough to get it off at this level yet, but man, I can rebound every single possession. You know, so trying to help our new players sort of navigate that, you know, and try, don't try to be all things to all people. Just figure out the few things that I can do really well right now and, and kind of thrive in that role. In hindsight, how much of a loss was it to have Tamia out of, out of the tournament last year? And then how much do you think of an impact she'll make when she comes back to, to you guys right now? Yeah, it was a huge loss for us. Um, mostly just from, uh, you get to the end of the season and whether you've had injuries early or not, you, you, everybody's pretty comfortable in the flow of a game. You know who's coming in at what time, you know who's looking to score in crunch time situations, you know certain plays are called for certain people and everybody flows off of that. A lot of times it's just health and comfortability, you know, at the end of the year. And, and when Tam went out, it just disrupted a lot of things. It automatically shifted people into different roles, people that needed to look to score that hadn't been scorers, you know, throughout the year. And, and so it, it did, it was a huge loss for us, you know, in that way. Uh, to me, is one of the most talented players on our roster, flat out, hands down. She can do certain things that, that the rest of us can't, you know, just from sort of, you know, growing up with older brothers and playing basketball her whole life, she, she's very comfortable uh, with the ball in her hands. So we, we need and expect her to have a really important uh, role, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Jared, you had the, the same staff for a number of years, and I imagine yeah. there's some comfort in that as a yeah. group. Uh, you lost two you know, pretty well-respected, well-liked members of that staff. Yeah. So how good is that maybe for those of you that are still here, you, T, Alex, yeah. to kind of be challenged a bit with uh, some new faces here, and um, just kind of changing the dynamics of the staff, even though you like the, the new people, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it definitely was a challenge, you know, especially throughout the spring. Um, you know, the spring has become one of the busiest recruiting times of the year uh, with transfer portal recruiting and, you know, different things like that. And so spring was very difficult. And, and anytime you lose someone, you know, like Shandrika, like Monica, that they're not just coaches or staff members, like they're family. We've been together a long time. This is the first season in, I don't know, at least 10 years that we've gone in without Shandrika. You know, and that's not just my discomfort. That's the other staff members. That's the players. Um, you know, the great thing is that we replace those staff members with people that we also have known for 20 years. They just haven't necessarily been coaches with us. So being able to add Tim, being able to bring Shelly Sheets back to our staff has been, has been wonderful. It's just different. And so, so it's been a good challenge for all of us to, you know, learn to navigate the newness. And, you know, with newness comes discomfort. It also comes a lot of new ideas and new, new thoughts and ways of looking at things. So I think that's been really good for us. JR, sitting here today and listening to both you and Ted talk, it seems like some of the challenges he has in his program right now are the same you have in your program with maybe avoiding leadership and getting people to take on new roles. When entering a season when leadership is the thing you're most concerned about? Is that, is that sort of, I guess, say that your program's on good footing, the foundation's solid, and you can focus more on that as opposed to maybe talent or we don't have enough yeah. here, we don't have enough there? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And I wouldn't say I'm concerned about our leadership. Um, we just are asking people to play in different roles than they have in the past. We have a lot of potential. Um, you know, someone like Peanut, I keep going back to her, but her time here she was here for so long in such a role that she led from a very early age and so um but but I mean Jalen Sherrod, Kendall Weta, we have Quay Miller there's there's a lot of people that we're asking to 
you know, to sort of step into those roles. But I, I think we have a great foundation. You know, you never want your new players to be the best players on your team. You, you want people to have been here, been through the, the wars, so to speak, you know, and, and, and then add talent to a pretty solid roster, which is what we've done. So we feel good about our roster. I think we have everything we need to be successful um, as far as ability to score, ability to defend, ability to rebound. Um, and so I, I'm excited where we are, but, but I also need to keep challenging our players to step up more, you know, in those leadership roles. JR, you struggled at times last year shooting the ball, um, yeah. some lulls. Is there anything that you're doing schematically, whether it's on or off the ball, to get better looks from outside, or does it just come down to simply just making shots? Yeah, well, there's always both, you know. Um, I, when you go back and really uh, study the film, you know, as coaches, we're very self-reflective, you know, in the offseason. How could we have been better? How, what could we have done? you know, offensively or defensively, we actually got, the shots we took were, were good looks, you know, for the most part. You know, we didn't take a, we talk a lot about good shot, bad shot, so our players know if it's, an, if it's a very contested shot with time on the clock, that's probably not a very good shot. So most of them were pretty uncontested looks, um, but we've spent a lot of time shooting, you know, and, and really, you know, trying to build confidence, trying to tweak some technique, you know, in our shots and things like that. We've recruited players that can shoot the ball. You know, Jada Wynn is is, you know, in practice, one of the best shooters we've had. And, and she's a freshman that's confident and played a lot of high-level basketball so far. Um, you know, so we've recruited players that can shoot and, and also worked on it a lot. Jerry, how much pride do you take in, as a program, being able to bring in some transfers? Obviously, that's a new era of college sports with the portal yeah. and everything. Um, but you guys have brought in some high-level players, um, and maybe they just haven't had, they didn't have the success with the role they wanted in the previous program, and they've kind of made a home here. How much pride do you guys take? Obviously, you want to develop and recruit players, um, but how much pride do you take in that and being able to provide a place that you know players want to come to if they yeah. need it for a second chance? Yeah, um, we do take a lot of pride in development. You know, we use my Hollingshed as the perfect example. Coming out of high school with not a single Power 5 offer. Jalen Sherrod, not a single Power 5 offer. Players that came in with a chip on their shoulder that wanted to be great and believed that they were capable. Um, you know, and we pour a lot into development. And so that is something that we, we take a lot of pride in. Um, the, the transfers that we've had, um, you know, Quay had a huge impact. Aaronette Von Ley is going to have a huge impact to me as Sadler. We knew those guys from high school, you know, especially Quay and, and Aaronette. In a lot of ways, in, in high school, it came down to us and Arizona, us and Washington. They started there. But relationship is really important for us. So being able to, we don't want to just pull kids out of the portal. We want to make sure that we're able to recruit people that fit our culture, that want to be great teammates, that want to be, you know, great in the classroom and, and be able to do the things that we take pride in. So um, I think those guys coming here and having a lot of success and being able to fit in and, and do well, I think we'll speak to, let's say, next year's transfers, you know, that might want to come in that when there's an opportunity and it makes sense that you can actually come and have an impact. Coach, with last year's success, is the NCAA tournament kind of a benchmark for what would be a successful season this year? Yeah, of course. I mean, again, I'll go back to we just want to get better every day, you know, which is, is true. Uh, but, yeah, we want to be an NCAA tournament every single year. That's that's the goal, and, and, and to make a run in the NCAA tournament. You know, being there is our expectation, um, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. We just did it for the first time last year, but that, that's our expectation. We recruit players that want to compete for championships and, and are driven to, to be great, and that, that's where we plan to be. Well, um, last season, as we talked about a lot, was obviously a breakthrough for this program, mm -hmm. winning 22 games, making the NCAA tournament. What are the biggest positive effects that you that you've noticed from that, you know, the carryover, whether it's been on the general feeling around the building or in practices? Yeah, I would say both of those, you know, are, are important. The, the biggest thing I noticed last year as we were going through Pac-12 play, and I don't know that I could necessarily have said it before last year, is that our team fully expected to win every single game that we played. And it wasn't a fluke that we beat Oregon. It wasn't a fluke that we beat Oregon State. It wasn't a fluke that we swept the LAs. We believed that we were going to beat those teams. And I think last year was the first time I could honestly say that um, as far as the, you know, the scout was prepared before. It was they knew what we needed to do. But I never saw until last year that true, like, 1 through 15. We know we're going to beat Oregon. You know, that kind of thing. And so to me, that's, that's the biggest blessing because as coaches, we, we know we can beat people. You need every single member of your ball club to know that, not just hope for it. 
And so, so I know that this group going into a game against Stanford, a game against you know, whoever it might be, we know we can beat everybody. Um, and so we just have to continue to have sort of that chip on our shoulder every day in practice and continue to get better and you know, all those things. But to me, that's the biggest blessing. Sophie Gerber gets her, her scholarship. You can yeah. kind of touch on that. And then also being able to have Shelly Sheets back like, on your yeah. staff as a buff, one of the best buffs to play in this program. Can you just yeah. talk about those two topics? Yeah, so um, we'll start with Sophie, who's not here today. She's celebrating Yom Kippur. Um, you know, but, but she has been, you know, we laugh because every day we have a game, she writes on the board, it's a great day to be a buff. Like it's kind of her thing. And if it's ever not there, we're like, Sophie, what the, what, you know? And so she, oh yeah, she writes it on the board. And, um, and that kind of embodies her mindset. Like she's just, she's, she's been here on an academic scholarship, very bright young lady, um, has worked as hard as anyone in our program, you know, has accepted her role as someone that, you know, wasn't, you know, her first couple years going to get a lot of game reps, but worked so hard in practice, put in extra work in the weight room, you know, everything the coach wants out of a player. And she's a great teammate. She's there. She's supportive. Uh, so to be able to give her, you know, that scholarship this year is just it's awesome as a coach. It's a dream come true. I know for her, it feels the same way. And so it was really cool to see her teammates celebrate her like they did. And, um, and she's continuing to work, you know, as hard as, as ever. So that's great. Um, you know, losing Shannon, Monica, and even Jill, you know, who joined the police academy in the middle of last year, those were three really important women on our staff, you know, that our players loved and trusted and went to, you know, when they needed support and things like that. So for us, it was incredibly important to bring someone onto our staff that would have that same effect, you know. So, so we all know Shelly as the, as the GOAT, you know, the best player that's ever played. She's Hall of Fame. She's all that. Um, but her time with our team last year, working with Corey Lopez as a radio announcer, allowed her to build relationship with our players. And so I've actually been trying to get Shelly to come back for a couple years now. And she had other things, you know, that she was doing. So honestly, the stars aligned. Like she was exactly what we needed as a program. She was what our players needed, you know, as a woman, as a mentor. And um, she's been fantastic. So she's probably the most positive person you could ever meet. And so every day she comes in the office, it's high fives, it's the huddle high fives. And, but she also keeps it very real with our players and, and tells them what they need to hear and um, has been a real blessing for us. Okay, anybody else? All right, thanks coach. All right, thanks guys. <laughs>